looking at Sabbath uh, as a gift. And uh, I say that advisedly, I think. Do we really see Sabbath as a gift? Or is it another guilt trip that we all think, oh, I'm not doing it right? I tried interviewing people about this, and every one person that I asked said, oh, I haven't got the hang of it. And I think if we're honest, it probably divides the room. If we say about Sabbath rest, and if we listen to that commandment, uh, some people might say, yes, I'm made to do this stuff. It's just in me. I love recreation. I love restoration. I love all that. But there will be many of us that think, actually, can I afford to stop? Can I even stop in such a busy world? And we've put this in our Living Life Well series in part of the battle section. This term is looking at battles. And I love the fact that Sabbath is a posture of defiance. It's almost saying, okay, world, you're telling me I've got to keep going, keep going no matter what, that my worth is in what I do. And then here we have a completely different posture that says, hang on a minute, God loves me when I'm asleep. God loves me when I'm resting, and he doesn't love me anymore when I'm working. And I think we've got something to unlearn in that, that we kind of think, oh, you know, he might approve of me when I'm working hard and I'm trying to look after others, but does he really love and delight and approve in me when I'm stopping and resting? And the Sabbath is a commandment. To honour the Sabbath is a commandment. We don't, if you like, in the moral fibre of society, ignore the other ones. They've been weaved into our culture, some perhaps more evident than others. But this is something that God has given to us because we need it. And I think it's very interesting. In a world that is all about self-care at the moment, you'll hear all the time about me time. I need some me time. I need some self-care. It's very prevalent associated with mental health and physical health as well. But God says, no, you need soul time, not self-time. And that as you have soul time unto the Lord, this is a day unto the Lord, not unto me, a day unto the Lord, then your soul will be enlivened so that the, your whole life can look different. And it's a rhythm. Uh, Eric Little famously in the Summer Paris Olympics, was asked to run a heat uh, as a medalist on a Sunday. And he said no. Now, we might find that controversial, I know, just from discussions with people that said, how would he get to the pinnacle of his sport like that? And then say, no, I will not run on the Sabbath. Uh, interestingly, though, uh, he ran on a Wednesday and won the 400 metres, which he hadn't even trained for. <laughs> Uh, and I really do think there's something in that about how we honour God and how he honours us. Uh, John Kirkman is going to uh, perform for us the speech that Eric Little gave, really in defence of honouring the commandment. And uh, he's going to do that by a video. We filmed him doing that earlier in the week. So let's have a look at his speech. Good morning, everyone. You know, I've played rugby for Scotland a few times with thousands of people watching, but... Speaking like this in public, well, this really makes me nervous. But I'm going to try today to follow the example of my missionary father and put into words what following Christ means to me. There are people who will tell you that becoming a Christian will solve all your problems. I'm afraid I'm not one of those people. To tell you the truth, I think those people are talking through their hats. I follow Christ because he is my Lord and Saviour, and, and because I believe that living by his commandments is the best way to live. 
for me and for everyone else, the best, but probably not the easiest. Take the Ten Commandments. I imagine there are some of those that we can all agree on, but for others you might well ask, why? Why should you follow these commandments? After all, isn't it easier to lie than to tell the truth? Sometimes doesn't that even seem kinder, nicer? Isn't it natural to envy what someone else has? Are there not times when the Sabbath day seems more like a nuisance than a blessing? My answer to those questions as a Christian is yes. Yes, there absolutely are those, those times when the commandments seem to be in my way, unnatural even. But as a Christian, it isn't about going my way. It's about going God's way. The best way for me and for everyone around me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's the way I want to go. Gentlemen, ladies, what following Christ means to me is that I will obey the Bible, not only when it seems good to me to do so, but also, I might even say especially, when I don't want to. When everything within me would very much like to take the easier path, to compromise just a little bit. I believe that everyone's conscience is their own, but when I gave my life to Christ and my heart to Christ, I meant it. That means that Christ is the Lord of my life when things are easy and when things are hard. The Bible tells me that faith without works is dead. In other words, in life, just like in sport, it's your actions that count. It isn't what you say. It isn't even what you believe in your hearts. It's what you do. When I played rugby, there have been times when the sun was shining and everything my team tried seemed to work. Points were flowing, coming from everywhere, and life was easy. But I've also played in mud up to my knees and pouring rain with a crowd on our backs when everything my team tried seemed to go wrong. The players I want beside me are the ones who've been through the mud and the blood and they've kept on trying. They don't shy away from the tackles. They don't try to cheat or foul. They kept on trying to play good rugby and win the match. And it's like that with being a Christian too. Doing the right thing, playing the game the right way, not just when times are good, but in the other times too. Gentlemen, ladies, I love playing for Scotland. I love running and I love competition, I love it. It's in my blood. So I hope that it'll mean something to you if I tell you that I can cheerfully say along with St. Paul in his letter to the Philippians, that I count everything, even sports, even competition, I count it all as rubbish, absolute rubbish, next to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. If you knew how much I love rugby and running and competition in general, then that gives you some idea of how much I love Christ.
what he means to me. He is the way, the truth, and he is my life. He is my strength and he is my joy. And that is why I pray that I will always put him first. He practiced talking like Billy Connolly for the week before we uh, recorded that. It sounds quite like him, doesn't he? Um, that's an adaptation of the actual speech that Eric Little gave, and uh, you might not agree with all of it, but the heart of it, you cannot help be moved by. And actually, Sabbath um, is an act of surrender. Have you got the clicker, Andy? Um, it's an act of surrender. It's an act of saying that actually God is on the throne and we are not running our lives. And so when we build Sabbath rest into our lives, we're saying, God, you are God no matter what. And I love the fact that he said, I love sport with all my heart. You can see it. You can hear it. He loves competition. But Sabbath rest to him was saying, I'm putting you first. And we're going to look just briefly at kind of the principles of Sabbath and why we might need it. And I want you, and my heart, as it often is, is for you to be freed by this because you all look quite sad. And I want you at the moment to see this as a gift that you may not have opened. Some of you might have opened it and be doing it regularly, but others of you might feel, oh, I can't fit this in. I can't fit this in around everything. But there are some brilliant stories like the one of Eric Little that can give us hope. So the principles of Sabbath are stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. And we'll look uh, briefly at each one. John Mark Comer, a brilliant uh, contemporary theologian, I really love his writing, says this, Sabbath is a way to break our addiction to accomplishment and accumulation. It's a really good quote in my eyes, that actually it's a way to sort of break the pattern of accumulation and busyness and all of the things that we feel so caught up in in our world. So to stop, we read that six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Robert Barron says, the essence of being made in God's image is our ability, like God, to stop. We imitate God by both our working and our resting. If we can stop for one day a week or for many Sabbaths each day, we touch something deep within us as image bearers of God. In other words, God did this and actually we are reflecting him by engaging with this rhythm of rest. Uh, there's a shop that some of you will know called The Entertainer. We've got one in Birmingham. Uh, that is a Christian business that do not open on a Sunday. And when everything was jeopardized, when trading went down with uh, all of the crash, many shops, as you know, did not survive. Almost every week we hear of shops and trades that are having to cease trading. But The Entertainer has carried on washing its face and carried on standing tall despite refusing to open on the Sunday because they have said we will honour God first. Now that's a rhythm that they have chosen, doesn't mean that other people trading on a Sunday are doing wrong. Many of us have to work on that day and it may be that we need to be creative with this. Sunday is not a Sabbath for me, um, so I have to have a Sabbath in the week. 
those of you who are doctors and nurses and medics and teachers and all sorts of different things, mothers, fathers, the rigor of business is so hard that we have to be creative with this. We had a lovely single mum here who used to have uh, three young children under the age of seven and she used to get up at 5.30 in the morning and get into what was effectively like an airing cupboard to sit there to have her time of Sabbath rest. 5.30 in the morning. That is defiance of a great scale, isn't it? It's almost saying, well, I could say, do you know what? I'm too busy. I'm a single mom. I've got three kids. But when we said to her, how do you keep going? She said, I could not keep going without that. So when we flip it on its head, it's why would we not do that? When you're revising, you know, actually you are made, if you keep on going without a break, you know that you don't take it in as much. Actually to take even a couple of hours off, this is good news if you're studying at the moment, you can uh, uh, say this to your parents, but it is good to have a couple of hours off, uh, a rhythm of rest as we go. So rest, for in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Even God chose to take a day of rest. And if we look at why he did that, he saw what he had made and it was good and he enjoyed it. And Sabbath is a gift for us to enjoy, to stop and actually engage with the world around us, to be fully present, to turn our phones off at the meal table, to have conversation, to go that family walk. The things that we choose to fill our Sabbath with are creative choices that we all make, but the heart in them is to honour God, to give him pleasure. And the lovely thing about that is that when we give God pleasure, it's reciprocal, that as we honour him, as we worship him, he in his goodness gives us something in return. Uh, the New York Times uh, wrote an article, a secular article, uh, about the busy track. And this is what it said about busyness. I thought this was fascinating. Busyness for us serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against our emptiness. Your life cannot be meaningless if you're so busy, completely booked up, in demand every hour of every day. Business can become a protection. It can become our identity. I went to a leadership conference a few years ago and they said, when you meet one another as leaders, do not meet each other's diaries. And I thought, well, that seems a strange thing to say. I would, would hope that we wouldn't. But I thought how profound and how true that is. That actually, oh, how's things going with you? What are you up to? What are you doing? Is very often the thing that we say when we're trying to engage with someone. But actually who they are, what makes them tick? What do they enjoy doing? What, what lights them up? Um, what do they find worth and identity in? As we rest, we re-energize and realign ourselves. And Jesus spoke passionately about this. If we think he wasn't bothered about it, we just need to look at the Gospels to find that when he knocked heads with people, it was often over that. He even said, was Sabbath created for man or man for the Sabbath? And his answer was, Sabbath was created for us to enjoy, to enjoy the Lord in, in whatever that looks like for us. 
There's a lovely story of a wagon load of Christians on mission traveling from St. Louis to Oregon. And uh, through the winter months, they decide they're not making enough time. And as the blizzards come and draw in, they think, you know, at the moment we're stopping on the Sabbath, but actually we've got to stop doing that because we're not going to make it in time. And half of them say, we're going to keep stopping. We don't agree with you. And half say, no, we're going to keep going. Well, you can guess how it ends. Who gets there first? It's actually those who took rest. They get their way ahead of the other group that said, we will not stop. Why? Yes, because they sought first the kingdom and they honoured God, but also their horses were rested and they were rested. We want to be practical about it. So both things can be true, that God honours this. However much we set aside, he will honour. Jesus said some beautiful words that we often come back to, and I personally come back to a lot as a pastor. In Matthew 11, we read, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. You will never find true rest without me. And I think we're in a world that is seeking that rest with mindfulness, with, you know, self-care, me time, all the things that the Bible set out way back when we are discovering now that we need. And I love that. There's a triumph in me that says God got this and he told us it. And maybe who knows, we'll come full circle and people will say Sabbath rest and there'll be more books about it and there'll be TV programs. Who knows? But actually that this will become an acknowledgement that God right ahead of us told us that we needed this beautiful gift of rest. It's connected in the Bible, and I found this interesting. It's connected to slavery, Sabbath rest. I don't know if you realize that, I didn't. So in Deuteronomy 5, 15 and 16, we read these words. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And you think, you know, God says, hang on a minute. When you were Israelites in Egypt, you were doing machines. You never stopped. They never stopped. They didn't take Sabbath. They were known for it, that they couldn't stop, that they just kept going for 400 years. And they're released from slavery and God's saying, remember, you don't need to go back there. And I think there's a message to you and I, as we live in a world of burnout and all the different things that can come our way, and many of us know what that feels like, that actually there are rhythms that won't necessarily solve, but will help us regain some of the vitality of Christ and his refreshment uh, for our souls. Delight is one of my favorite ones. I love the word delight. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath. Uh, Peter Cesario, some of us have been doing emotionally healthy spirituality in our life groups, and we did it as a course a few months back. And uh, I really enjoy this quote. He says, every Sabbath day serves as a taste of the glorious eternal party of music, food, and beauty that awaits us in heaven that it's a positive rather than an abstinence, that it's an engagement as well in what awaits us. And how will we be creative with that? Um, he goes on to say this, Sabbath is like receiving the gift of a heavy snow day every week. Some of you chirped up there. That's uh, teachers in the room are thinking, yes. 
You have permission to play, be with friends, take a nap, read a good book. Few of us would give ourselves a no-obligation day very often. I think when we start to look at this through that framework, we suddenly think, oh, hang on a minute. God's saying, I want to give you a gift. That may be a half day for some of you. It may be three hours that you ring fence. It may be a day uh, when you just don't engage with any kind of bill paying or uh, work or things like that. He, Cesario uh, says that's a really good discipline to try not to do. I'm not sure I've quite got there yet. Um, but actually, what a great discipline. And I remember two busy teachers after I spoke on uh, lack of hurry years ago and lack of business coming up to me and saying, I just, I get what you're saying, Judy, but if you live my world, this sort of thing can't happen. It just can't. And I thought, well, fair play. And I said, well, let's just pray this week that God shows you that he is passionate about this stuff. And you will never believe it. Both of them uh, work at a local school. But that very week, one of them texted me and said, you'll never guess. We've been sent home from work because the heating has gone wrong and we've all got to go home. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's going to happen if you're a teacher every week, but do you get it? If you say, God, I have somebody, many of you know that I can get overly busy and that is one of my weaknesses for sure. But there are times when I've taken my diary and I've said, God, I've done it again. I've put too much in and I've just literally sometimes even physically held it before the Lord and said, would you help me? I'm really sorry I've done wrong. And you can bet your life. Well, perhaps we don't agree with doing that. Let's uh, scrap that. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, you can be pretty sure let's say that, that God will give you something back, that the phone will go and someone will say, could we rearrange or could we change that? And you suddenly say, God, you are Lord of my time after all. I'm not. And Sabbath really is about that. It's about us saying, I am not Lord of my time, you are. And, and letting that be reflected in how we live. So we've stopped, we've rested, we've delighted, we've found things that light us up and engage us and energise us. We've unwrapped this gift of a snow day, if that's what we want to call it. But finally, he blessed it and made it holy. So yes, we delight, but he's made it holy, which means set apart. And I think there's planning involved in this, don't you? Because I know if I don't plan for this, it is not going to just suddenly happen. The Jews did. Uh, if you think of the Passover and the, the preparation for Sabbat, you will know that actually it's intentional stuff. It's like our exercise or the things we love. It's wiring it in. And you might want to talk to your whole family or think about it yourself and think about how will we do this differently? And some of you may already be doing it beautifully. I know some of you are, but for many of us, this is tough. It's tough to do. Uh, so he said he made it holy. I have been reading a brilliant book and I would thoroughly recommend it. Um, Pete Gregg, who started 24-7 and uh, is just a brilliant, brilliant prayer guy, but also really real uh, so that you can identify with him. And uh, he's written a new book called How to Pray. And I've been reading it for the last week and it has challenged me. I honestly get up early to read it because I can't get enough of it. That's how good it is. Probably oversold it now. But I, I genuinely think it is good because he's sort of saying it's for normal people who struggle with this stuff. He doesn't start from a superior, I started 24-7 off. He actually starts from saying, I wrestle with this stuff. Some of you know that his wife had a horrendous diagnosis a while back and is still not completely free of that diagnosis. 
And he talks about praying gut-wrenching prayers, but actually drawing away, drawing aside, setting aside a time, no matter how we fill those times, to be replenished. So a holy set-aside time for our week, for the rhythm of our week that will honour God. And he says this, Delight without discipline eventually dissipates, but when delight and discipline learn to dance, relationships thrive. I love that last bit that says relationships thrive, because in the process of this, we can refine what matters. Sabbath almost says God's on the throne and we realign what really, really counts. In the film, The Greatest Showman, the character that Hugh Jackman uh, plays is a driven guy. He's someone who can't get enough fame. He can't get enough success. He gets to the very, very top of everything in terms of success and notoriety. And then he sings this song called Come Back Home. I drank champagne with kings and queens. The politicians praised my name. But those are someone else's dreams. The pitfalls of this man I became. For years and years, I chased their cheers, the crazy speed of always needing more. But when I stop and see you here, I remember what it was all for. Um, and that's, if you like, a love song, but it's a song that I think resonates for us. What's it all about? What's all our busy doing really about? Because God looks on you now and you're resting and he thinks, I couldn't love you anymore. You've got nothing to prove to him. We talk sometimes in pastoral ministry about a cycle of grace and a cycle of grief. Cycle of grief says, I've got to do more to earn this love. My identity will only be complete when I earn it. But a cycle of grace, which is our faith in Christ, says, I'm accepted, I'm loved, I'm forgiven. Therefore, I'm free. You're out of slavery, out of Egypt, free. And he looks on you, as I do, with such admiration for all that you carry, for all that you, some of you I know are battling. And he just says, I couldn't be more proud of you. I love you. And when we do that, why would we not set time aside to be with the one who loves us that much? So as we close, let's just be quiet and accept that Accept that love. Romans 12 in the message says, do not let this world around you squeeze you into its mould. Let's be rebellious people who say, I won't let it squeeze me in. I will be free. James Proctor in his old hymn says these words, lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in him, and him alone, gloriously complete.